Hello and welcome to Read All About Extra with me, Paul Cuddehy, offering you literary sustenance until the next full episode of the Read All About It podcast. I've got book news, book reviews, lots of other bookish stuff, and even a segment featuring a special guest, my son Andrew, all packed tightly into the shorter podcast episode. But first, what I'm reading now. One of the great things about starting the Read All About It podcast has been the many book recommendations I've already received from my guests. So for example, I've read book one of Don Quixote by Miguel de Cervantes on the recommendation of my first guest, Chris Dolan. And in a future episode of Read All About It Extra, I'll talk more about it once I've finished book two, that is. For now, all I'll say about Don Quixote is that it is, quite simply, wonderful. What I am reading now and again, this is a result of one of my podcast interviews, is Far From The Madding Crowd by Thomas Hardy. I'm sure that many people, there are a lot of gaps in my reading, particularly when it comes to so-called literary classics, and I've never read Thomas Hardy before, so I decided to start with Far From The Madding Crowd. This is what I would call the proverbial slow burner, and actually for the first half of the novel, I found myself ploughing through it rather than flowing through it, And I just felt I was reading the words without really taking it in or enjoying it. But then something kicked in. And for those of you who have read the book, it came during the storm which struck Bathsheba Everdeen's farm. Now Bathsheba is the main female character around whom the story revolves. And she has three suitors, Gabriel Oak, Farmer Boldwood and Sergeant Troy, all of whom declare their undying love for her. Along with an offer of marriage, it seems almost as soon as they've met her. And I can only imagine that she's a beauty beyond compare. And her name is only one of many biblical references littered throughout the book. So, for example, she became King David's wife in the Old Testament. We have Gabriel Oak. And even early in the novel, Gabriel suffers a blow to his fledgling sheep farming life when most of his flock are driven to their deaths by an errant sheepdog, all the sheep plunging over a cliff. And in the New Testament, Jesus drives an evil spirit out of a man and it takes root in a herd of pigs, driving them to their deaths as they plunge over a cliff. Now, like many long-ago written classics, and Far From the Madding Crowd was published back in 1874, it takes time to adjust to the style of writing, the language, and even the way characters behave and react and relate to each other in the story. Although, interestingly, I didn't really find this an issue in reading Don Quixote. But I am enjoying Far From the Madding Crowd the further I get into a book, into this book, which vindicates my decision to go against my usual instinct to abandon a book I'm not enjoying. I'm now looking forward to finishing it as soon as I'm done with this podcast, of course. And interestingly, and I've, I've spoke about it on the, the podcast before, whether people, you know, some people will persevere with a book even if they're not enjoying it. Some people like me will, will give up. And interestingly, there was a interview in the Guardian last week with the author Jojo Moyes and one of the questions was the book I couldn't finish and her answer was I frequently don't finish books I used to feel obliged but now I think life is too short if they haven't grabbed me by page 100 they are off the pile and I kind of I'm I'm with Jojo Moyes on this and one book that, that always springs to mind particularly with that 100 page rule is The Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco which is an absolutely brilliant book. But it does take a wee bit of time to get into the book. And it is round about page 100 where everything clicks into place and suddenly you're immersed in the novel, in the story, in that world. And if you haven't read 
the name of the Rosa, I would really recommend it. I'm sure you'll enjoy it, but stick with it at least to page 100 and then I'm sure you'll, you'll reap the benefits. Another thing that I want to recommend in this Read All About It Extra podcast is not a book, but a magazine, a magazine called Strong Words. And it is a magazine which builds itself as a great new magazine about great new books. And for anyone who reads, who loves reading this, you will absolutely love this magazine. It's 80 pages packed full of reviews of new books, all sorts of different books, fiction, both hardback and paperback, across a whole variety of genres, non-fiction books, Again, across a whole range of subjects and topics, graphic novels, cookbooks, children's books, art, photography, sport, really there's something for everyone. And one of the great things that they do in this magazine, they'll either do a review or sometimes they'll interview the author. And as well as focusing on the book, they'll have a wee panel where sort of, if you like that book, you'll like this book, where they do some other reviews of similar books and similar themes. And the only downside, I think, is the fact that you you read an issue and you end up with about another dozen books that you know you have to go and get in order to read. And it's the brainchild of a guy called Ed Needham. And I think it's a one-man band. He reads all the books, he he writes the reviews, he'll edit them. I presume he does all the layout as well. But it is certainly worth investing in. When I subscribed, there was a special offer and it was a free book with your subscription. And I was going to subscribe anyway. So I had low expectations of what the book might be. I just thought it was maybe just to entice people to subscribe. So I was really pleasantly surprised when it turned out to be a hardback copy of The Art of Dying by Ambrose Parry. Ambrose Parry is the pen name of the the writing duo of Chris Brookmeyer and Marissa Hatesman. And it's the second book in in a series of crime novels set in late 19th century Edinburgh. The first of those, The Way of All Flesh, I'd already read it. And again, I would recommend that book. So I was... Really delighted when, as well as getting the Strong Words magazine, I got The Art of Dying. I don't know what the latest subscription offer is. The best thing to do is go to their website, which is www.strong-words.co.uk. And as I say, it's a brilliant magazine. And even on the front cover, underneath the main masthead, it says, No one has ever said, I wish I read less. And now for the first and a regular feature on the Read All About It Extra podcast, entitled, What Andrew's Not Reading This Week. My son Andrew is 25, and to paraphrase the words of Celtic's French striker Odson Edward, he doesn't book. He told me this way back when I'd published my first novel, Saints and Sinners, back in 2010, and I gave him and his sisters their own copy with a wee message inside. After about a week or two, Andrew came back to me and he said, Dad, I'm not going to read your book. Books aren't for me. I'm just going to wait until the film comes out. Now, I tell this story all the time in the hope that there's a film producer out there who's listening and who just says, or thinks, I'm going to turn that book into a film just for Paul's son. But what I've decided to do in this podcast, and Andrew obviously consumes his information through other platforms, so as well as chatting about books, we're going to chat about that. So what I've done is ask him to choose a book, any book from my shelves, and that will be the starting point for our conversation. So, Andrew, over to you. What are you not reading this week? This week, I am not reading The Dead School by Patrick McCabe. Okay, well, I know you just you did just choose this book at random, and for people who are listening and don't know Patrick McCabe, and probably he's most famous for a book called The Butcher Boy, which was also turned into a, a film. 
uh, a really brilliant film and a really brilliant, quite dark book. And this is a, another book which is, is quite dark, set in Dublin, and it's a book about uh, a guy who, who gets a job in what is a famous school in Dublin, and kind of the relationship he ends up having with the headmaster and it's quite dark and, and I would say I'd recommend it to you but I know you're, <laughs> I know you're not going to read it but the reason when we were having a chat and I was saying to you I was wanting you to do this podcast and one of the things I've said to people is I know friends who like are into books and they think the idea like say their kids don't read they find that horrific they, you know the idea they think it's terrible and I, I, I don't I just think you as I say you consume your information through other platforms but I've also said like your sister Rebecca reads a lot your older sister Louise doesn't but you were all read we read to you me and your mum read to you all when you were younger but why, why do you think or do you think there's a reason why you just never really took to books I just find I have a very short attention span even with watching some things on Netflix and any other sort of TV it has to kind of grab my attention within the first 10 or 15 minutes otherwise I just get bored easily even things like reading the paper isn't for me. Because funny, when I remember recently you were watching, I can't remember what the series was on Netflix, it was something about the Mexican drugs cartel. Now I'd read a book by a guy called Don Winslow called The Power of the Dog, which is an amazing book about the whole drugs war and the same thing. And it, that's when I thought, well, that's how I'm getting my information from that book. But you're getting the same, maybe even more information from Netflix. I know you watch a lot of documentaries. Aye, just... Watch documentaries about anything, murder, cartels, things that have happened in the past and things that happen in the present. Because one of the things I, I know you were watching, there was a couple of programmes on about the Holocaust. It was like, I think Channel 4 was showing it, and it was the Holocaust in, in colour, which again is, I mean, when you watch something like that, it's absolutely shocking, really. Yeah, it's a bit, it's obviously grim, black and white, but in colour as well. I felt like it was a bit more breathtaking. I mean, have you ever watched the film... Have you ever seen the film Schindler's List? No. Because that's worth watching. It is about three hours long, so if you, <laughs> you see you've got a short attention span. <laughs> it was bizarre. Me and your mum went to Krakow um, just under a couple of years ago, and, and one of the things we did, we did the, the trip to Auschwitz, and you go and visit the smaller camp and then the big massive camp, and we made a conscious decision not to take any photographs because we just thought what are we taking photographs of and who would we show them to and just a bit disrespectful I think when people do that and it was quite some of the things that people are taking photographs of and you thought are you going to get back home and show people and, and you, uh, you, as you say you have what to... social media is for people post anything for attention as people crave reactions on photos that's why they do it yeah I just found that quite quite strange I mean that was a, a, a watched after, on the back of you watching that I ended up watching it as well, but definitely you should you should watch Schindler's List. You would watch it over two or three days, it. make it into a mini series. Because <laughs> when it, when this wee segment starts and you've you've got your own theme tune as well, which uh, I thought just to introduce it, and that's one of the again it's another wee tune from the bookends. And what, what did you think of having your own theme tune? That's, that's I think that's quite cool. It's a privilege. Because <laughs> it's funny when when. Uh, but I think when the first time when I said to you I was wanting to do this and you were actually listening to an audio book which kind of took me by surprise aye, I was aye, aye it was Limmy's I've still never finished it I'm about three quarters of the way through it but it's an entertaining listen what did you find you were just listening to in the, the car? Uh, no it was actually in work just the the work that we had for like the 
maybe past three or four days leading up to a weekend I was going away in Holland and I just needed something to listen to at night while running about and then on the plane as well I listened to a bit of it. Do you think you'll go back to it at some point and finish? Aye. Aye, he's a strange guy to listen to. I'd imagine. I can never <laughs> wait. I know when you were watching that and then, was it Burniston? Burniston as There was well. a certain point at which I realised that I was getting old because you were busy laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand this. It's just stupid comedy that I feel like you can, well, me and maybe some of my pals can relate to just the nonsense that you talk. It's funny, I was talking to some of the guys in work and I was saying to them how you were listening to the, the audiobook. Quite a few of them listen to audiobooks, particularly when they're driving to or from work. And it's something that they maybe don't, they're more, they're closer in age to you and they maybe don't read a lot, but they've started just having something on uh, in the car and the long journey. It's good as well because it's in Lemmy's voice. I think he's quite, he's entertaining, he's got good stories, but he's quite entertaining to listen to the way that like he tells his stories as well. Let me, do you, any of your pals read at all? Or? Nobody that I can think of. No. Nah. Because I, I always, because of, of the fact that we read to you, the three of you when you were younger, but I always remember even like, you know, it would be a really rainy day and it would be freezing cold and you and your oldest sister Louise would still want to go out and play. But Rebecca would be quite happy just to mm-hmm. stay in with a book. And I, I sometimes wonder if it's something that it's just, you're either interested in it or you're not. And if you're not, you've just got other interests. And I know, I don't think there's really a point where you can be like half-hearted to read because it would just be a bit of a waste if you started it and never finished it and then if you're reading it and not interested then what's the point really? And do you think like Netflix Netflix has been a like a great thing for you because say there's like I'm like I've got like a million and one books in my bookshelves that yeah, I've got that on the TV you've got that on TV aye aye I do I think just I feel like a lot of people my age kind of reading died out because of things like phones and how easy it is to access like any movie on the internet and everything so you're just more swaying towards the TV most of the time yeah some people I mean I couldn't do it read on my phone just because it's just a, such a small screen but I mean I suppose people can do that as well because it's almost like a mini Kindle Aye. some people I know that watch that watch things on Netflix on their phone when they're on the go but something I can't really pay attention to it's too small a screen so it just ends up giving you a bit of a headache well listen good chat son it was a pleasure. And uh, no doubt we'll do this again. And uh, I think you you should really go into work tomorrow and just tell everybody you've now got your own theme I, tune. I was, telling, I was telling Ben that I worked with today that you were starting a podcast and I was going to be featured on it. Oh, yeah. Yes, you're, you're claimed to fame. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, and we'll, we'll meet again and you can, you can choose another book that you're not going to read. All right. Sounds good. Good man. Many of you might have seen on social media recently a, a so-called Twitter storm. I hate that phrase, but I've just used it. And it revolved around a guy called Alec Christoffi who had tweeted that uh, in order to make bigger books, you know, chunkier books like War and Peace, that kind of books, you know, thousand-page tomes, more, quote, portable, he literally split the book in half. And I think he must have done something to Spain in order for the pages not to fall out. And then he would just take the first half and found that much easier to, to carry around and to read. Read the first half and then he would read the second half. Now, not surprisingly, it caused a bit of a stir and he was accused of being a book murderer. And I can't help feeling it was he was just trying to generate some controversy because I, I genuinely don't believe anyone who loves reading 
and loves books would ever do anything like that. And interestingly, I had I'd recently read a book called The Secret Life of Books, Why They Mean More Than Words by Tom Mole. And Tom Mole's a professor of English literature and book history at the University of Edinburgh. And this is just a, a couple of paragraphs from the book explaining what he is trying to do in his particular book. Sometimes we think of books as tools for reading, but there's more to them than that. In this book, the one you're reading now, I'm not all that interested in books as things to read. Instead, I want to talk about all the other things that we do to books, and that books do to us. Our books are leading a double life. As well as being containers of words, they are things imbued with their own significance. Their importance goes far beyond the words or images they contain. Books are a part of how we understand ourselves. They shape our identities even before we can read them. They accompany us throughout our lives, at home, at school, at college, and, for some of us at least, at work. And books are also part of how we relate to other people, from those closest to us to those only distantly connected. They get tangled up in our relationships with parents, siblings, classmates, teachers, friends, lovers and children. They are part of how groups of people and even whole nations imagine and represent themselves. Books become meaningful objects in all sorts of ways. Treasures, possessions, talismans, bearers of significance. This book is about how that happens. And again, as as many of the books I'm talking about, uh, I can't recommend that highly enough. Indeed, Alexander McCall Smith on the front cover says it's a real treasure trove for book lovers. And given whenever MD asks, do you use a bookmark or do you fold down the, the corner of the page to keep your place, I, I find even that sacrilegious. Uh, I'm certainly more inclined to agree with the people who accused Alec Christoffi of being a book murderer. Now, one of the things I wanted to include in the Read All About It Extra podcast is book reviews. And so given what we were just talking about there, with uh, book murderers and, and large books. I thought the first book I would choose uh, is one of these larger books, and it is Duck's Newburyport by Lucy Elman, which was shortlisted for the 2019 Booker Prize. And when I was reading through information about the shortlist, effectively, it, they were explaining it was a 1,000-page novel written more or less in one sentence. Now, that in itself, for me, was a reading challenge. So I bought the book, but I realised... In order to get into it, I thought if I was just going to try reading it at night, a few pages at a time, I'm not sure if I'd be able to engage with it. And luckily, I was going away to Spain for a week's holiday, so I thought that's the perfect holiday read. Get a bit of time to sit in the sunshine and really focus on it. So here are my thoughts on Duck's Newburyport. Can I do justice to a 1,000-page, one-sentence novel in a short review or even over a few tweets? Of course I can't, but I'll try and offer a few inadequate words. Doc's Newburyport by Lucy Elman was nominated for the 2019 Booker Prize and it was on the back of that announcement that I decided to read it, welcoming the challenge of tackling such a tome while also realising there was a chance I'd quickly get bogged down in an impenetrable narrative and just give up. I have to say that, having finished the novel, it is one of the most extraordinary reading experiences I have ever had. I thought it was an incredible book and one that very quickly I became hooked on and it stayed with me long after I finished reading it. It's the story of a mother constantly worrying about her children and working from home to make ends meet after illness hits her and her husband with crippling financial bills. The novel dissects America through her thoughts and observations 
and lays bare its myriad of problems, such as the endless stream of gun deaths, the systematic destruction of the environment, a never-ending cycle of male violence against women, and a seemingly callous indifference to the path the country is on. I did find that I could only read about 10 to 20 pages at a time, as it was exhausting being in the mind of the main character. And while I'm sure there will be a temptation for some people to speed read pages of it, to do so would mean you're missing out on the whole experience. The novel is a brilliant study of the human mind and how it works, and Lucy Ellman's skill in writing this book leaves me in awe of her. I'm not sure I'll ever read Duck's Newburyport again, but as a once-in-a-lifetime reading experience, it was as good as it gets. Now that's us just come to the end, just about, of Read All About It Extra podcast, so thanks for joining us. And remember to subscribe to the Read All About It podcast. We're on Acast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Pocket Casts and Podbeam. And there you can already listen to episodes with Chris Dolan, Karen Campbell, Hugh MacDonald, Danny Garavelli and Professor Willie Maley. And coming up over the next few weeks, I'll be chatting to the journalist Alison McConnell and the publisher Martin Gregg, amongst others. There's more information on the podcast and each of the guests and their choice of books in their particular episode on my website. That's www.paulcuddehy.com. You can get in touch with me by email. That's at readallaboutit, all one word, at paulcuddehy.com or via Twitter at readallabout20. Or if you want to go old school, why not just write me a letter? You can address it to Paul Cuddy, the Read All About It podcast guy, Bishop Briggs, Glasgow, and I'm sure the postman will do the rest. Now I'm going to finish off this podcast with a little bit of music. You might have been wondering where the theme tune for the podcast comes from. Well, it's from a song called Block City, which I wrote with my band The Bookends. And what we've done is to take Robert Louis Stevenson poems and put them to music. So here, in all its three-minute glory, is Block City, music by Paul Cuddy, words from Robert Louis Stevenson. Enjoy the song, and until next time, keep reading. What are you able to build with your blocks? Castles and palaces, temples and dark. Rain may keep raining, and others go wrong. But I can be happy and build it at home. Let the sofa be mountains.
Thank you. 